Hi, I'm Alan Sentier, the Heartful Badass Coach. Being badass is about being the real you, being strong, feisty, confident, knowing your own truth and walking it, feeling the fear and doing it anyway, with a heart full of joy and boundaries that really work. I learned how to be the real me through telling and writing stories, and now I'm a best-selling author as well as a badass psychotherapist and coach. I tell stories a lot in podcasts and blogs and in the coaching programs I do. Being authentic, living your own story, that's being the real badass you. And being real badass is being full of heart, caring. Because we've lived through all that shit, haven't we? So we know it in our bones and we really do truly feel compassion. So come on. Let's do some badassery. Let's change ourselves and watch the whole world change around us. Let's make our lives, our businesses and our hearts sing. So, hello people, we're wild again. And Robin from Be Wild, which is, I think, absolutely wonderful. And there's your badass wisdom lady, me, um, also being wild. But we started chattering. And can you just say all that again, Robin? Because we were talking about, you know, whether we all have to do everything or whether we can actually share out jobs and how to how to do it. And you were saying, you know, there's this movement, which I've seen. So, Robin, take the field. So the movement basically being we used to look at people's strengths and their weaknesses and say that if you are not so strong in a particular area, particular fields, aspect of work, aspect of your business, perhaps, then that's something to focus on and to build up your skills and to develop. Not that there's anything wrong with that, and a certain amount of that is really good. But on the other hand, why not, if somebody else, maybe within your business or within your network, is really hot at that stuff, we were talking particularly about tech because it turns out that for both Ellen and myself, we can do it, but it's not our strength and it's not our joy. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not my joy. Uh, but we know people and it is their joy. Yeah, yeah. So why not share the workload around for people who enjoy tech, let them do tech. Yeah. And for people who enjoy the other aspects, let them do that. And it's not to say that, it's not good to learn some of those other skills because it's good to even to know a little bit about tech so we can talk to our techie people yeah. and say what we need and ask them for advice and all of that Absolutely. kind of thing and discuss yeah. things with them. But at the same time, we could be giving them a job to do exactly. and, and supporting their business, perhaps. I've started working with a guy to do my YouTube videos and I've got a VA, a virtual assistant who posts for me. I've got an accountant because I try not to do the, the financial figures because it just does my head in. Yeah. But these are ways that we can expand our network, work with other people, get different perspectives and insights and support yeah. and it works really well particularly if like me you work on your own a lot of the time solopreneur then it's nice to have these networks even if they're not in the same location mm -hmm. but then who is these days when so many yeah. even large firms their workers are home-based yeah well I think it's a brilliant idea I mean I I can do tech and yeah, you know, back in the day, yonks ago, I was a software professional and specialist and all this kind of thing. I don't want to be anymore. It doesn't turn me on. And, you know, podcasting turns me on the coaching turns me on um, the programs, the retreats, those sort of things, they turn me on. I really get a kick out of that. And the podcast is you know, I feel myself doing that as soon as I feel I have to edit something or top and tail it or all the rest of it. There's this man and I found him and this is what happens, isn't it? And I know it's happened to you. I was sort of looking for somebody who could do this and as the always accident always happens, met this guy through LinkedIn. Oh, yeah, he sounds interesting. Sounds I might get on with him. That would be fun. And so. 
um, called him and like calling him on WhatsApp. So you haven't really got a clue where he is. And um, so chat. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. We got on really well. Several interests in common. And he adores cats. So that's got to be all right. And um, the test of character that. Absolutely. Totally. <laughs> and then after we've been chatting for a bit, might even have been the second go. He lives about 12 miles away from me. Don't you just love the sense of humour of the universe? Absolutely. This is that immediately what we both sort of felt. He said, yeah, it's been, been happening to me all the time, you know. And, yeah, I might be working with somebody in San Francisco tomorrow. And um, then I'm working with you and you're just over over the hills. Um, and, you know, it's fine. And he's really good at it. And when I trip over or make a mistake or, you know, say the – the whole recording thing collapses and then we get it back. I said, John, at around so-and-so, it all falls to pieces. Would you hook it together for me, please? Yeah, fine. And I haven't got to do that. And he's good at it and he likes it. And it's like you were saying, when you hear, oh, this video needs a bit of work, it needs editing, it needs fixing. And And our body shows us, doesn't it? Versus when you give it to John and he goes... Absolutely. Yeah. Shines, shines in it and allows you then to go on and shine in the coaching and the retreats and the podcasting because that's where your heart lights up and sings and it shows. It really shows. I had a coach who said, Some people say you should do lives and some people say you should do posts and you should do podcasts, audios. Mm -hmm. But find what works for you because whatever one works for you or combination that's where you shine and that's where other people connect and light up because they see your joy if they see you and you're "Mm, i don't like this that's not what i'm looking for no don't, don't don't fancy that no and it is i mean i had a funny little connection thing um yesterday i i went to get my hair cut i've been with this hairdresser for a while and he's just retiring so it was my last go with him and he's very good and all this sort of thing i was oh royston what am i gonna do now you've gone he said oh well there's this bloke charles you know we've just sold the business to him and he worked with us for 12 years and i trained him and fine so i was like okay yeah sounds all right but when i walked into the salon, um i have I've seen the girls and the women who work there and the girls who work there before, obviously. And this one woman, I've seen her before, but she was like going at me as I walked through the door. She wasn't looking at me or anything. She was with another customer. And so I went to pay and make my appointment, which could be with Charles. And um, I was like, because the woman was just over there. Uh, So I said, who is that stylist that lady there so they told me and she was just finishing with a customer so I sort of said hey and you know cornered her or we we met and I said hey do you think you could do my hair sort of like this oh yeah she said yeah that's fine um you like it all sort of messy and choppy and a bit sort of you know wild that kind of thing wild yeah and she said the (laughs) words I was like, oh, yeah, this is my woman. (laughs) I've got no idea what Charles is like, but I'd had that connect when I went into the salon. Yeah. And then I wasn't feeling quite sure. There's nothing wrong with Charles, but, you know. And she was there again, connect. And it's that that makes you go for somebody, isn't it? It is, because we connect on very deep levels that we're not maybe consciously aware of but something about somebody their energy or whatever it is we just resonate with it yeah and it just feels like a good fit yeah and like you say it's nothing against charles but just maybe charles isn't the perfect stylist for you and that's fine he's the perfect stylist for somebody absolutely we all have a place and a role and together it all creates a beautiful picture it does. but it's not necessarily that we have to get on with everybody because that just isn't the way that it works is it no, it doesn't does it no and it's this clicking thing again and it's like you were saying you know if you're really good at something 
and you're doing the thing that you like to do, everybody goes, oh, you know, he looks excited. She looks excited when she's doing that. And it they may not even say that consciously in their heads, but something happens that they feel your joy, your excitement. And if it's a similar joy to what they want to feel, then they'll come. And they that and that makes you click. And it's like that's how you find your tribe. Hmm. And And I went to a workshop years ago and it was about the Alexander technique. Mm-hmm. And the woman there talked about the Fred Astaire uh principle, or the I can't remember exactly what she called it, but basically it was the fact that Fred Astaire made dancing look joyful, yes, graceful, and easy. Easy. Yeah. Obviously, he made it look easy because he put in a lot of time and practice and effort. But for him, it wasn't hard or uncomfortable effort. I'm sure it wasn't always easy, but it was evidently his joy yeah. because you just watched him and you could see how how his whole body was embodying yeah. what he was doing. Yeah, really present. Yeah. And I think that's also what people see when we are enjoying something and we are shining at something we are showing them how possible it is mm-hmm. and how easy it can be even if it's work and effort the work and effort in itself is a joy yes indeed and i you know, i would never dance like fred astaire but i used to love things like zumba and those physical movement things mm-hmm. and although they were effort and hard work particularly towards the end of the session they were fun yeah. and they were connection community with other people and there was music and it was just a laugh. Yeah. And I think when you bring all those things together, if it's the work that sort of you and I are doing for running retreats or running uh, coaching sessions, yeah. people want to know that it's possible, that it can be easy, that it can be fun. Yeah. yeah. And when you're able to be there present and show that, yeah. that's also what they're connecting with. Like you connecting with the stylist who got exactly what it was that you wanted she said all the right words ticked all those boxes yeah. for you and and i'm sure it was just because she clicked back to me it was like you know click and we both clicked and so it wasn't she didn't i'm sure she didn't work at saying the words mm. it was just like oh yeah i can do that one and um she might have you know met somebody else and thought well that one's going to be a bit more hard work you know, get it just right for him or for her. It's going to be a bit more hard work. And she might still have taken it on, but she might have sort of said, well, you know, maybe you want to go to so-and-so. But again, it's this like you can actually share your work, share what you do with other people. You don't have to be there, the, you know, the only answer, the guru of everything or something, because you're Definitely not anyway. Not. No, one size does not fit all. No, it doesn't. No. And we can't, you know, if we're trying to please everybody, we're going to end up being vanilla. Mm. But who wants vanilla all the time? And you will end up really not pleasing anybody properly. Because you'll be, oh, well, you know, Ellen's all right. But yeah, yeah, that, all right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's no, that's not cutting it. Else. That's really not cutting it. It's sort of like, oh, I can't stand Ellen, or oh, I really love being with Ellen. Now, that cuts it either way. Ellen is Marmite. <laughs> but then, so is Robin, and Robin is you. You know, you're going to really enjoy the way she works, or it's going to be not so much. And I was talking about this, uh, um, you said, you know, you've got a VA. I haven't got a VA yet, um, but I have got a marketing lady, um, amazing young woman, only 27, but totally connected and with it in Lisbon. And, you know, there we were so everywhere around the world. And she's lovely. And we really get on. And again, we click. And she does all that for me, sort of thing. So I don't do everything for myself. And I'm not I can do marketing, but Rita loves it. And so I'm giving her a job, but she's helping me get my jobs and do it right. Yeah. And we're and not marketing, you definitely want somebody who enjoys it and who's good at it and shines. And the rest of us sort of sit there going, really? What? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, right. Okay, fine. <laughs> it works. I don't even know how it works, but it works and that's yeah. fine. Uh, I do get it um, when she talks to me and says, oh, yeah. oh, yes, yes, I see what you're doing. And she'll say, and I get I get how it works and all of that, but to be I creative may not be enough able to, to do, do it every time. <laughs> In fact, it's 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 easier to sort of say, you know, I've got this program coming up, Rita. Help me sort it. Yeah. And she just did that to me yesterday. I got a pro program tell your story coming up, and she said, send me all the stuff. And um, so I just bunged it off to her this morning, and she'll come back to me. Might even be over the weekend, but certainly. It's, early next week so I said right this 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 and this um I've taken what you've written here and I've edited it and it's actually three posts it's far too long and yeah. all this sort of stuff um we're doing fine because we're both doing what we're both like and what we're both good at yeah and that is so worth it because then things do work yeah yeah so hopefully you're sort of getting that. But taking us back to our wildness, while we've been chatting, what's been going through my head is wolves. And we're both wolf women. We love wolves. I Have you been close to wolves? I haven't, no. But on a, a humorous aside, I grew up with a dog. She was a Norwegian elk hound. Ah. And people used to think she was a wolf. Yeah. So that's probably the closest. Wolves obviously are related to dogs. They are their cousins, their wild cousins. But no, I haven't been close. That would be such a magical experience. Well, I can tell you where to go for a really magical experience. Only down to Cornwall. And um, I've been and done it, and sometime I'll get the photographs up. There's me leaning against and cuddling with this wolf, and they are timber wolves. And they're not, they, they, they've known humans, they know humans well, they live with humans, but they are totally wolves. And the, the man who does it, he... Well, he and his partner, they've got this um, big estate down in Cornwall and they've got it properly like fenced so the wolves can't accidentally escape and get murdered by somebody. And they've got their own space and they live their way. And they actually, they're always very keen to see people. So it's been quite fun. And you, you come in and he says, don't you sit right down on the floor lie down if you want but get right down close so that you're going to be eye level with them and you just be there and ooze wow and gorgeous and love you and that sort of thing because they like that um yeah. don't do anything and they will come to you hmm. and they do and it's amazing watching them go around and they've all got jobs yeah and you know, there is the, the, the alpha thing sort of is, isn't really right. No. Um, there is the one who looks after everybody. There is the one who makes decisions. And that's quite often a female yeah. in wolf pack too. And um, there are the ones who are like aunties and uncles who look after everybody else and all sorts of things. And in the hunting roles, there are the ones who can, who, really go for it and then there are the ones who really come in and bring the beast down for everybody's dinner and they all know their jobs but the one who is sort of like auntie to the pups and that can be a male wolf just as much as a female um is not going to try and take over the job of the one who's making decisions and the one who's making decisions is not going to go and do the auntie stuff um, and she may not be, she may be the one who says, you, you and you go after that buffalo. Um, but she may not go herself. Hmm. And or at least not to the same extent. And sometimes they will. And there isn't a masculine, feminine gender thing that we all have. But they know their jobs and they're very happy to be in the place where they are doing what they enjoy, what they get on with. And the old Omega thing is a bit of a misnomer because they're in a different place with a different job, but they're not the, they look put upon to us, but they're not. 
And the omega will come and comfort, say, um, sometimes it happens that some wolf cubs die and the bitch who's the, the mother bitch in the in the wolf cubs, she, she'll be quite miserable because all animals are miserable when they lose a baby. And the omega will come and comfort. And so they're very good at doing their own jobs. Yeah. And they don't try and take over somebody else's job. If they lose somebody who's really important, like the decision maker, which can happen, then there has to be a whole shuffle. And apparently there is, because um, social tells you. Yeah. There's a whole shuffle around. Like, like, where's this going to go? Who's 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 up for this job? Who's going to do it? You know, And it takes a little while to happen. That happened up with the Abernethy pack in um, Scotland about 20 years ago. And that happened, and there was a whole shuffle round there, yeah, which the humans found quite awkward, but I think the wolves managed it quite well. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's, again, I think, one of those examples of where we think we are the more evolved species, we have the bigger brain, we have more cerebral cortex, we are the ones who are able to make these decisions. But... The wolves have been doing it for generations. They they know what they're about. <laughs> they know what they're doing. Yeah. And it's the same with dogs. Sometimes dogs are a little bit different, domesticated dogs, because we have trained them and, and they don't necessarily interact in the same way as a wolf pack would. But if you have a pack of dogs, it'll be the same. And there are people out there who you can find them on YouTube and stuff. They have packs of dogs. Mm. And, yeah, they will interact in this way and they will learn their position and what their role is, and they will do that. Yeah. And it's the same with horses. Yes, it And there's is very a brilliant much. guy in uh, it Italy who has studied horses living in the wild. Because, again, we used to think there was an alpha male and an alpha it's female. Not. And no. it doesn't work that way. Mm. Uh, and I don't know that it actually works that way in any animal society, because there are a lot of animals that live in groups, uh, in societies. Yeah. And we, we've misunderstood, but we've misunderstood often because we have researched in an unnatural environment. So we've researched a pack maybe in a, a safari park or, you know, pride in a safari park or, or a pack in a zoo. Mm. But they're living yeah. unnatural lives. Yeah. And that's why we see the behaviours that we see, not because that's natural to them. And we also anthropomorphise on them. You know, we've grown up. It's not actually that long. I mean, it's only a little bit over a thousand years since women were leaders of war, were kings, were rulers, were judges, were all of this sort of thing. Um, but we've got very used to that. So, you know, men do that side and women do the other side kind of thing. And we've still got it even a bit today. It's getting better, but we get that thing. And then we put it on an animal. And it doesn't necessarily exist at all. And my friend is, Scott, she's got a little herd of horses. And as an Arab mare, she's 13 or 14 now. And she was a brood mare all her life, but she's now come out of herself because she's got a nice place to be. And she's got her, her young horse now because Dancer's now five. And she's also got um, a young Arab gelding who's about seven or eight and a young Suffolk punch who is about five and, and huge Suffolk, <laughs> I mean he's an enormous golden They're big draft horses yeah golden animals. mane and tail and gorgeous golden fur and he's he's very handsome but he is vast and he is relatively speaking to the Arabs slow and when she first got them together and she first got a place where they could all be out together and she um, she natural grazes them so they've got sheds they can come into when they want to and they go out in pastures when they want to. And the mare and the two Arabs and her foal and the young gelding, they'd been together. So they were out there first. And then George, I love it. The punch is called George. I mean, Fitz. Yes. Uh, oh, yes. So, yes. <laughs> so George arrived and, and he knew um, 
the gelding already, but he had to have, he'd had to go and live somewhere else for a little while. And so he came and said, oh, you know, there's Abe, there's Abe, you know, whoa, yeah. <laughs> and he went to the field and he was all like, oh, hey, guys, you know, I've just come to join you. Isn't it fun? And the mayor sort of went yeah, onto him. And he's like, huh? And she checked. We've got him on, got him on video. She chased him around the field. For about- I can't imagine that, this beautiful little fine Arab. Yeah, half his Chasing son. this massive great stomach punch. Yeah, you know, and she's right on it. And George is like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And he's, he's seriously running. And he sort of thinks he's got somewhere. He sort of stops and pants. And then, oh my God, she's coming again. <laughs> And she ended up, she chased She chased a lot of them around, including her foal. And then she was, you know how Arabs prance, where she was just, now I've got my place. Now my herd is sorted. You know, my boys and my baby are going to, it's going to work. And she is the boss. But if there's a problem, the one she goes to is George. And there's been, you know, there's been like a terrifying black plastic bag blowing on the hedge next door. Yes, or oh, they're, they're horse-eating black plastic bags. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, 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 and they're particularly vicious in Scotland, you know. It's awful. And um, so, you know, she'll sort of see it there. And she literally says, Oi, George, come on, deal with that. <laughs> and he does. Yeah. And it, they've all got their jobs and... Abe is very often lookout. He's also the uncle. When anybody's got a problem, George comes along and he'll tease you a bit, but he also is like, come on, it's all right. It's going to be okay. And they know where they are. They know what their jobs are, and they're very happy in them. They're not trying once, to climb any ladders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I once went to... Um... I don't remember the name of the place, but it's in Guildford with James French. Oh, James the, French, I, um, I love the man. I know him quite well. He's yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And Main he chance. Was us, Main chance. That's it. He was teaching us exactly that because he had one horse who was quite a bossy, you know, I know it all kind of horse. And this other horse that was just calm, very steady. And he said, which one do you think is the boss? The calm and the steady one. Because any time, the other one was actually quite nervous and anxious, which is why he was so big in himself and I need to be constantly dealing with everything, whereas the calm one was just, it's fine, it's just chill. Yeah. And any time the one got anxious, he would go straight to the calm, steady. Yeah. Everybody looked to that one yeah. for his leadership because he had this air of, I can do it. Yeah, just follow me. Everything will be fine. Yeah. So again, it's that. What and en- what are we giving off? What is our energy telling people? Is it telling people that this is fun and this is joyful and this is easy, and yeah, you can do this too. Yeah. Or is it telling you we need to be anxious? Mm-hmm. And I have two horses here. One of them is that anxious boy who prances around and he, he looks, he moves like he thinks he's an Arab, but he's more. Not he's not as tall as a Suffolk punch, but he's a bit chunky. And I have a warm blood who's an ex-brood mare as well. And you would think there's only the two of them, so it's a little bit different. But you would think that she was the bottom because he pushes her around all the time. But if she decides that she's going off for another piece of grass that's in another field, he's like, don't leave me behind. <laughs> and if he gets nervous... He looks to the cam, so that'll either be me or it'll be her. Yeah, yeah. And he hates cattle. We've got cattle neighbouring in the fields at the moment, and they're bellowing. Oh, uh, yeah. Because they're uh, highlands or something, big Ooh. shaggy brown ones. I haven't seen them, my husband was telling me. And he doesn't like cattle. They make him very nervous. I don't know why, what his past experience might have been. But he's right in your face going, save me. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big, big mooing thing somewhere in another field. Yeah, and it might come through here, and I'm frightened. <laughs> More scary than a black plastic bag. <laughs> oh, it, it's true, though, and um, a much, much smaller experience. Um, I've only got one cat at the moment. I used to have two cats. And in particular, I had this pair of gingers. 
and there's a boy and a girl and they were brother and sister and you could tell because they'd got exactly the same markings on but he for all intents and purposes was a main coon so he was huge long hair big gorgeous i mean the most beautiful thing ginger main coons are Um, but it was obviously wasn't pure because she was about seven pounds weight on a fat day (laughs) tiny um but the markings were the same she hadn't got long fur she got short fur but everything else was right and um so you'd think oh you know he's the guy you know big boy big man big boy he's the man you know and um no and She'd do two things. One is they would play together. And so she'd leap at him and grab him from underneath and threaten to choke him and strangle him and and come on play and say, oh, right, 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 right. So he she'd let him sort of like stand over and and you know they were playing. And then suddenly she'd start screaming, and I'm sure she was screaming, rape, murder, rape, murder, rape, murder. <laughs> and he sort of look at you go. I didn't. Honest. Well, I didn't. I haven't done anything. <laughs> you started it. <laughs> well, he didn't even go to that. It was just like it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And the other thing she I'm did. Guilty, my lord. He would completely. He had stairs that went down the, you know, in the dog leg. <laughs> and the wide, the dog leg, of course, was the wide bit, and she would sleep there. Oh yeah. dear, I can see where this is going. And he'd be at the top, and, and oh. Mom, Mom, I can't come downstairs. She's going to get me. <laughs> Save me. And she would, you know, she'd she'd be asleep, and then she'd wait until he'd sort of come all the way you know, down to her. She'd be looking like she was asleep. Yes, with one eye. And then it would be me a smack, you know, and she'd leap for him. And, oh, that <laughs> wonderful cat swipe. Because we had a dog, which is how I knew where this was going. We had a dog and a cat at the same time. And the dog adored the cat. The dog was a collie kind of dog. And I think it thought that the cat was sheep or something because it just used to follow her around with these big doe eyes. Wasn't even hurting her. It was just, oh, I adore you. Tell me what to do. You are my goddess. And she would just sit halfway up the stairs and there were stairs with banisters. That's it, yeah. So she regularly swiped through them. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do anything. I really, I didn't do anything. (laughs) But I suspect it was with your dog, and it certainly was with with our big ginge. Um, They weren't upset, and they didn't feel put down. Mm. He just knew that, you know, I don't think I want to be swiped today. <laughs> yeah. this, this is just how things are. And that's, I think, the the wisdom of animals that we can learn so much from, that they are just OK with their lot, yeah. generally speaking. Well, and they it, just get on treated. with it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they just get on with it. Because mm. I know our mayor... Sometimes I think, oh, you poor thing, he's moving you on. He won't let you just eat your hay. He has to have the hay that you have because he has to show that he's the boss. But she just either wanders off and she wanders really slowly and she walks over the hay, which I think is like (laughs) giving him the birdie or something. Yeah. (laughs) Or sometimes she'll even kind of kick out at him like, yeah. Oh, think yeah. I care? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You annoying teenage upstart, you. Yes, but they, they just each have their own way of having their say and putting their stamp on things. Mm. And we had a cat as well. This this same cat, and you could put her you know, off a chair so that you could sit on the chair or whatever, and she would just do her own thing. She would just get straight back on or whatever. And that taught me so much that you can hold your own. Yeah. stand in your own truth yeah. without having to beat others into submission or tell yeah. other people what to do you just carry on quite happily in your own little way yeah. and quite often that'll get you what you want because other people if they don't want it more than you do they're just doing it you know for for their ease rather than no i really need that yeah then you you will get what you want 
And it's not that you're trampling over other people, you're just stating. It's, I guess like assertiveness training that I went to, this was back in the 80s, maybe different now, but it, you just keep saying the same thing again and again, same tone. You don't start getting impatient or anything. Just keep doing it. It's very cat. Yeah, very, very cat, that is. And something I try and um, enable my clients with is somebody will sort of say, oh, you really need to do this and you really need to do that. I mean, I've suffered from it quite a bit because I'm quite crippled, as you know. And so, you know, you get this sort of keen person who really wants to cure you. And, you know, they've probably only been studying this for 18 months and you've been living with it for 30 years. So you sort of go, right, yeah, okay. And, um, or somebody's telling you something and you really should be doing this, you're doing this for your marketing or whatever it is. And you sort of say, that's not my bag. Yeah, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't feel like that. I don't need to buy into that. Any of those sort yeah. of things. And we don't need to explain it, do we? We no, can just say, no, thank you. Yeah, not for me. Thank you. Yeah. Not for me. Yeah. Uh, often I think it happens and people get very, they're insecure, like, you know, like your horse. And yeah. they've got to push it. They've got to show it. So they've got to tell you, tell you, tell you, tell you something. And it's like you've almost sort of got this sort of shield around you. And it just sort of washes off. It's like rain, you know, <laughs> you're inside and they, they're sort of pouring the rain down on you. And you're just like, no, it's fine. Yeah, but not for me. Yeah, whatever, but not for me. And it will get you eventually. Uh, some people take longer than others. But it will get you that they accept that you are you. And you don't have to listen to their arguments. You haven't got to argue against them. I think that's a big thing, isn't it? You don't have to argue against anybody. And if you do, then it's that push thing. That yeah. if you push against them, they'll push back against yeah. you. So it's like with the horse, that they're just staying who they are. Yeah. Just calm and present mm. and you just see that this isn't going anywhere i'm not it's not getting me anywhere to keep pushing i'm just give up you know yeah. i'm not getting any feedback that's yeah. feeding my pushing what i am actually getting is feedback that's helping me to be calm that's helping me to be present if i choose to if i choose to join that which is like what reiki does yeah yeah it's basically holding that calmness and that joy and that love and inviting somebody else to come into that with you because of the benefits that has for our well-being but that's what actually it's like the hare and the tortoise that's what wins the race that's what gets you what you want not the pushing mm. yeah. the pushing might get you what you want some of the time but it won't ultimately get you to a happy place yeah and it gets you very tired and very frustrated and you just reminded me, um, which is sort of taking us back to James French again. Um, my friend down the road, she's a horse whisperer, so we're all, we're all horse people together. And um, she and I um, both like James French's methods, but it's something that we'd actually both done before we knew about him because, it, you know, he does it and he teaches it so well and he's taking it all around the world, which I think is utterly brilliant. And he's a lovely bloke. Um, but... One of the things you see, and particularly in the promotion videos, is that he's just sitting there being and being calm and with other people that he's training and teaching and they're being calm. And all horses lie down. Now, people may not realise this, but horses don't lie flat out easily unless they know they're safe. I mean, as a prey animal, you are absolutely asking for it if you're flat out like this. Yeah. And... In a herd, one will always be sitting up as lookout. Or standing. Or standing, yeah. And the others can then lie down. Well, I just had a retreat um, here, which was absolutely fantastic this past weekend. And we took the participants down to my friend's place. We were actually doing stone circles. So we went up to the 4,000-year-old uh, circle up in the hills above me, 
in the morning. And then we came back to my friend's place because she and her friend have built a stone circle there. And it's not just a set of stones. They asked and were pulled and pushed around to what stones they were allowed were supposed to have and exactly where and which way they were facing and the stones told them and the land told them so it, it is a, a real working circle so I went down to see that one and it's like you know it's like that up there and now it's like this down here now what are the differences for you doing that well all around us in the paddocks around the circle were my friends rescue horses and as we came in we went down to do various things by the stream and we came back to the circle and as we came in I saw one of the horses was flat out in the sun totally laid out flat so as I said to everybody right we've been given a treat today because Dusty over there is lying out and she's asleep so we're obviously safe enough and feel good enough for her to stay so we're not going close because she was quite close to the fence of the round the circle so so we're not going that far we'll go into the circle but we won't go right round to her side because we don't want to disturb her everybody's fine with that so we went in and they tuned into the circle and did various stuff that they wanted to do and asked and got really really into it and um kim and i were watching around and their energies, they've gone in, so we're all fluffing all like this, you're all really excited. And gradually their energies dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. And as they dropped, the other horses all lay down around them. And the participants didn't see this at the time because they were obviously really into doing what they were doing. And so everybody came out and I said, now stop. I said, look, they're all lying down. One of them was lying up in watch position, but everybody else was lying down. And I said, you know why they've done that? It's because your energies have come right down. You are now really calm. So we'll just stand here and feel that calmness for a minute or two. That's a difference to when you went into the circle and you were really excited with everything going on. And so you drop that energy. So we did some more work on that the next day. Um, but it was absolutely what James French does. And Kim and I are sort of used to it, but we hadn't actually taken retreat participants in there before. And then watch this. I think that's a beautiful way to use horses as part of somebody's learning, yeah. somebody's therapy. And a lot of places use equine assisted learning and a lot of businesses use that now, but that's interaction with horses. Yeah. And I love that we can get so much wisdom just by watching how they interact mm. to each other. So what we've been talking about within the herd and that they don't hold grudges and that they can just tell somebody off and then they're pals. Yeah. 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 Just, I don't like that. Yeah. Okay. I'll stop. And that's it. That's the end of it. We're back to being best buddies. Yeah. But also that they show us energy yeah. stuff, don't they? And they really hold space for each other, like that horse still sitting up and watching. Mm -hmm. And I've regularly seen hour or two, either he'll be lying down asleep and she's standing guard mm -hmm. or the other way around. Yeah. yeah. So occasionally they will because they know the space and they know they're safe there. Occasionally they will both lie down. But it's just... And, and they've let me lie down with them as well, which is yes. just such an honour, isn't it? And when you feel a part of, you feel almost that you are one of the herd for a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that with my my ponies when I was young, growing up. And, um, we never had a herd. I was only had one pony, um, but lots of riding friends, so they did see other horses. And um, Dad converted a shed into this big loose box for my ponies. And um, they would lie down in there, you know, my pony would lie down in there. And they all let me go in um, and I would just go and curl up in their front legs. And so this kid about 10 or 12, and I'd be asleep with the horse and the horse would have one front leg over me. And um, we're fine. And I was totally, it was like real bonding. 
they knew what I was and what I wanted and where I was and that I was safe. And I knew they were. And but it's that mutual respect. And, and I think when we're younger as well, we don't ask anything no. other than I'd like to connect with you if you'd like to connect with me. Mm. And wouldn't it be fun if we spent some time together just connecting and that mutual respect for each other? Because horses, are, I've seen a four-year-old girl go into a stable and boss around a sort of 17-hand high horse and he just did what she asked because she was only four. She wasn't going to do anything to him. She just was, over there, go over there. And he duly went over because she asked from a very grounded, certain place and he trusted that. It's when we go in uncertain or we have other motives or fear they pick up because what they pick up is that there's something to be nervous about it's not that they're picking up fear and they're taking advantage of that but just what's the problem what's the problem where's where's the danger exactly yeah yeah and that that is so much it i mean i've seen it even well you you, probably lots of us have seen it you know a wasp comes into the room (laughs) and somebody really has a thing about wasps they don't like them and they start waving their arms around and the wasp is like going crikey what's going on help <laughs> you that know. thing's gonna hit me yeah and, and i better hit it first you know <laughs> before i before i get swatted and yeah. um so like come, calm down and i've had them walk or walk on my hands um we had a nest of burrowing wasps in the garden last year and they were quite close to a chair i used to sit on quite often and if I went and took my lunch out and I got some cheese or something, and there was like cheese, cheese. They put a piece of cheese down, and you know, they'd be right, sort of like there's my hand there and there'd be a wasp there. And you just eat the cheese. Um so, oh, thank you. Okay. And I didn't I suppose I must have known in a way, but he bite a piece off and take it and take it back into the nest. And it was, whoa, you know. It's almost like, you know, David Attenborough on my front lawn kind of thing. <laughs> but it is. It is. That's that's yeah. what biology and botanical knowledge comes from, just observing and watching. And I love, because I think nature and the insects, that little micro world that we don't tend to see because we're busy or, you know, it's so much smaller than us, we don't pay it as much attention. But when we can just sit and be still and watch what goes on around us, I love just you lie in a patch of grass and you see oh my goodness look there's a spider and there's a beetle and the beetles i mean there are such a wide there's such a wide variety of beetles in this country and what you can find just in a little patch of grass somewhere is incredible and they they're different and they act differently and some of them are solos and some of them are cooperatives Mm. who live together and it's just fascinating watching him. What's he doing there? Oh, he's got something or another, you know, and, and then goes off with it. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, whoa, that's really interesting what he's doing. And we don't do enough of that, unfortunately. I don't yeah. think something I get people to do on the retreats and things. I'm sure you do when they're with you. It's like, you know, no, all we're going to do is line the grass and look at it. Just just pause, just breathe, just tune in, just notice. Yeah. Because we're so busy a lot of the time and we have so many demands placed on our time and our energy mm. that we don't feel that we have the space and the capacity to do that. Yeah. And yet when we do, it so feeds our soul. Uh, that That's something, that, does it happen on, on the retreats when you you do them? It's like suddenly people have actually got enough space for me. No, we don't have to rush home to lunch. We don't have to rush on to the next class. We don't have to rush on to the next whatever it is. Yeah, you know, well, it's breathe. Starving quite yet, are they? Oh, we sit here for another half an hour. It's fine, you know. And it's like they need space. We all need the space. And we don't have yeah, it. Yeah, and sometimes that permission to take it and I think that's one of the things that nature shows us I love the quote that nature doesn't need to hurry and yet everything is accomplished and this year spring has been very late here Mm. and 
Facebook, one of the wonders of Facebook is that it pops up memories every now and again. So yeah. there was a memory of I'd heard the cuckoo call and I was like, yeah, I've heard the cuckoo call this year. <laughs> and it was about two weeks later that I finally heard the cuckoo call and the bluebells are all out. Well, they're not this year. We're only just starting to get the bluebells now. Or the apple blossom is all out. Not yet. And we're having frosts. And are we going to get any apples this year? Yeah. So it it's, yeah, that just, just stop and notice and give yourself permission. Yeah. And it will be accomplished. Yeah. Because these things happen and, and we have such a, an instant society mm. that we have fast food we have instant entertainment it's all just there kind of at the click of a button or whatever but there are other things that are really important i love the, the saying that go into the woods disconnect from your phone mm -hmm. and actually find that you're the most connected you've ever been yes very much absolutely and in a sense that takes us back to where we came in because if you start trying to do everything and actually allow other people around you to do some things for you, even give them some with you, yeah, and have this interchange of what you're good at, what turns you on, you've actually got space to go and sit in the garden and give the wasp a piece of cheese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy spending time with it. Absolutely. Or whatever. Yeah. Should we stop there? I think that's a good place. It's a good place. So we'll see you all again next month. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed that. Hope it pulled out some new ideas and new ways of looking at life, the universe and everything. And I'd love to know your comments, so do send them to me. Doing and being badassery is fun. It makes your heart sing. And that helps everyone. And it helps you put the soul back in your life and in your business. Business, when it's really working, is fun, full of badass reality and makes your heart sing. So let's stick all those rubbish old work ideas of toil and drudgery in the compost caddy. Let's recycle them into something fun and useful. That's what badassery is about, having fun and being useful. If you'd like more, get on my website www.ellensentier.com Sign up for my newsletters and check out my lives and vlogs. Let's get to know each other. Let's get together, have fun, grow your life and make your heart sing. Let's be real. Come on, let's light our fires. Mm -hmm.